Today's episode is brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products. Welcome to the Fast Brackets Podcast, where we highlight the cars and stars of top sportsmen and top dragster drag racing. I am your host, Rex Simmermaker, coming to you from the heart of Indianapolis, the racing capital of the world. Welcome to the show. Guys, girls, today is episode number 81. Man, September 8th, 2021. Uh, man, big week uh, coming off the U.S. Nationals. I hope you enjoyed episode number 80 last week. It was very different. It was all video, uh, a couple different episodes actually, um, all posted on the Fast Brackets Podcast Facebook page. Uh, certainly some of it was a mitigated disaster, uh, an aborted run, so to speak. I know the sort of run where you go back to the trailer, you take all that data and throw it in the trash for whatever reason. I had a severe internet connection issue during our go while we were going live, and I simply could not stay up with uh, where Alan Reinhardt was uh, taking us through the action. And I'm incredibly disappointed because I wanted you all to see the top sportsman, top dragster, second qualifying session, courtesy of NHRA TV, and um, that so that was disappointing to me. That said. I will keep working at it to figure out what that problem was and hope you enjoyed seeing the finals of both the JEGS All-Stars and the U.S. Nationals for both classes live as I saw them. Uh, so uh, my apologies on some of that mix-up, but uh, we tried to do a little bit something different because the U.S. Nationals are so special and some of it worked and some of it absolutely did not, but uh Let's see, what else happened this week? Oh yeah, uh, Dr. Fauci lied. He lied incredibly big time. He lied under oath to Congress about a year ago talking about how he didn't fund stuff. Uh, that is no shocker, and there's no way anything will happen to him. But uh, rest assured, if you or I did the exact same thing, we would go to jail for eternity. Um, in either event, he's a big, fat liar, and I don't trust him as far as I could kick him. And I really can't kick anybody very far right now. Uh, not with the way my hip is. So uh, that that happened. Uh, but really, I have this week a post-U.S. Nationals hangover. Uh, it was so good. Uh, mostly great weather, except for Saturday where it was a complete rain out. Uh, but really good weather considering, um, you know, uh, how the rest of the week went, and it's been hot, so hot the rest of the country. Um, it was just a good break um, and great racing weather, really. Uh, but I'm uh, I'm taking deep breath after being out there most of the week and seeing everybody. Um, it was just uh, it was it was really just good to be out there again. Uh, something I've done for a long, long time, and part of what I do. Um, I will also tell you an interesting thing that happened this weekend. Uh, so there is on that Friday. Uh, of the U.S. Nationals, there is a breakfast joint, a greasy spoon in Speedway, Indiana, which Speedway, Indiana is between 
Brownsburg, Indiana, and downtown Indianapolis. Um, very close. It's, you know, right where the Indianapolis Motorsports Speedway is. And there is a greasy spoon called Charlie Brown's. And it serves breakfast. It's really great food, but it is mostly known because it has Indy 500 memorabilia everywhere in it. And Indy 500 legends have been coming there to eat breakfast for a long, long time. Uh, AJ Foyt eats breakfast there. Um, Roger Penske eats breakfast there. And then also the media legend Robin Miller, who if you follow IndyCar at all, you know he is very outspoken journalist, but really um, was a mouthpiece for the Indy League. And he had breakfast there every Friday. Well, it just turns out that I so happened to last about four times I've been there. They have sat me in a very specific seat. I took producer Chris there for breakfast uh, on Friday, and the waitress says, hey, uh, actually, it was the, um, hold on a second. She gets the manager. The manager says, hey, um, I'm going to put you in this seat, uh, but just know that they're going to have a they're going to have a little ceremony where you're sitting, which kind of caught me off guard. But it turns out where they have been sitting me just randomly for the last four times I've been in there is the seat that Robin Miller has been sitting in every Friday morning holding court with Paul Page and just a number of other IndyCar and motorsports hardcore dudes every Friday for the last 20 years. And of course, Robin Miller passed away um, in end of August. And those guys came there on that Friday to memorialize his his life and efforts to IndyCar and put up a picture in Charlie Brown's of him driving his sprint car um, a long, long time ago when he first got involved with the sport. Um, just so happened that we got in the middle of this really kind of a historic um, and, and moving tribute uh, these guys did for their friend, Robin Miller, who they knew better than everybody, um, you know, in a kind of memorial uh, to a guy who would have wanted to be there in his spot. I don't know what that means. I don't know why they sat me in the seat that Robin Miller has always been sitting in um, and that Roger Penske sits in when he goes in there. A.J. Foyt sits in when he – I don't know why they sat me there. Maybe it's just because I'm a big guy and they felt like uh, I needed a little more space. But um, it was certainly um, moving. It was certainly – uh, humbling. And what I will tell you is that you just never know. You just never know what type of impact you have um, when you put your heart and soul into something and have uh, just do the things that you love to the best of your ability. And so that Friday at Charlie Brown's was just really impactful to me. And then when I then go out to the track and see those same people or people like that, I should say, giving their heart and soul to a, a sport that they love, uh, man, it just kicked me into overdrive and uh, really kind of a stumbled on a really cool event. I wanted you guys to know um, about that. I thought it was very cool. Robin Miller certainly will be missed in the IndyCar uh, portion of motorsports, but uh you know, uh, re really, truly interesting and stuff that we do in the drag racing world as well to those guys who give their heart and soul to this sport. Um, all right, well, let's get to the show. I have three, uh, not not two, I have three incredible guests on. First of all, we have Glenn Butcher. He was previously on episode number 23. He is the driver of the quickest top sportsman NHRA pass in the 610 era and he's going to come on to talk all about it. He's bringing with him Jeff Melnick from Exotic Fabrications. Jeff was on episode number 33. And Dan Ferguson, a two-time PDRA top sportsman world champ who was on episode number 27. Please, if you have not heard episode number 23, episode number 27, and episode number 33, do that now. Stop. Go back. Listen to those episodes Get yourself caught up on Butcher, Jeff Melnick, and Dan Ferguson. It will uh, help you understand exactly where these dudes are coming from. So let's do it. 
Let's get to the show. So get to doing whatever it is that you do while you listen to the show. Make your commute, clean the shop, work on the old heap, but metaphorically speaking, get your helmet on, get strapped in, because here we go. All right, let's make a pass. Let's get these things hot. Let's put this thing in the water box. There was some really good news out of the NHRA camp this week. The association advised that the U.S. Nationals Monday finals will return next year. Uh, that is really great news. I mean, it was indie this year in so much that it was a national event and it was in Indianapolis. Um, but I've been to national events and this is what a national event felt like. I've also been to Indy, the U.S. Nationals, the Big Go, essentially since I was six years old, over 40 years straight, and this wasn't it. This was not the Big Go. This was a national event in Indy. The concessions were cut down. The manufacturer's row was cut down. The madness from the campers wasn't there. There was no parade float going down the track, and they didn't race on Monday. Um, again, I do not have all the info that the NHRA needs to make their decisions um, and certainly would not want to be in those shoes making those decisions. But it was very good to hear that this experiment has been put to a halt. Uh, you know, just listening to these guys in all the categories that won at the end of the track in the winner's circle, talk to Amanda Busick um, it just shows the emotion that those dudes had. It was something else. I mean, even Edmund Richardson uh, winning in Supergas was so wound up he could hardly talk. And that guy is a guy who has absolutely done it. I mean, it means the world to drag racers. And NHRA should literally do anything they can to maintain the historic nature and the reverence for Indy in the U.S. Nationals. Uh, there is no stone that should go unturned, no dollar that shouldn't be spent. It should be held up there like it should be. And the guys that raced for their part did their part. Um, but the experiment of ending on Sunday, not great. Um, and I know it's been a long week. I know that this is the first time, uh, well, technically the second time if you count last year, um, that I wasn't shoulder to shoulder with fans and the pits weren't completely packed. I mean, it was still very well attended, but it simply was not the same. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see it back to normal next year. All right, let's put this thing in the beams and bring on, well, we never do this. Actually, very, very rarely do this, but we've got um, a couple of dudes on with us today, starting with Glenn Butcher, the driver of the world's quickest nitrous oxide-assisted top sportsman uh, car ever um, after this weekend. Welcome to the show, or welcome back to the show Glenn Butcher. Glenn, how are you today, this evening? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thanks for the opportunity. Well, thanks for coming back on and, and talking about this historic run. We also have with us um, from Exotic Fabrication, Jeff Melnick. He's a former guest of the show. Jeff, what is happening? Hey, Rex. How's it going? Thanks for having me. Well, I'm, I'm good, but I'm not nearly as good as you guys because you guys are all part of the brain trust that just made history. Um, and the third part of that group uh, on with us now, former two-time PDRA top sportsman world champ, Dan Ferguson. Dan, what's going on? Just working, man. Glad to be here and glad to get some top sportsman talk going. Well, I like it. I like it. We definitely have the brain trust. Um, with us right now and I think uh, what we need to do is go back uh, to, to last year really I think um, and Glenn maybe you can start with saying hey a little bit about the combo last year and what made you want to uh, 
uh, change it up because you had a lot of success last year. Yes, yes, I did. Um, I guess what drove me a little bit more was um, probably the PDRA side um, with the elite guys, you know, I mean, wanting to qualify and being on the edge of getting the tune up just right in order to do so. So I kind of, I've always, always been a guy who uh, tried to go fast, but yet win. So I think that, that, that pushed me more than anything to try to come up with a combination that both I could run PDRA side and on the NHRA side. Cause I just like to race. I don't care what sanctioned body, if there's an event I would like to attend. That, that makes sense. Um, and you were, what combo when you were you running last year and then what <laughs> combo did you feel like you needed to go to, to, to accomplish those goals? I was running a 808 cubic inch motor that uh, Chris Holbrook uh, had built for me, which was, which is a very good engine, very good piece. And um, we just thought we needed to go to uh, a bigger combination. At that time I had talked to Billy Albert about, uh, about an engine and he was able to put together a, a 959 for me. Uh, that, uh, that, I mean, right now that's, that combo is, um, I mean, that's a, that's the baddest of the bad. What is I think that's what a, uh, seven Oh bore space or something like that right now. I'll let Dan answer that. <laughs> that that's a five, 300 bore space. It's a big boy, right? Dan. Yeah, yeah, it's a big motor. Um, and but that's that's mostly what the pro nitrous guys are running in. But they've got that combo kind of squared away, and you've got some familiarity with that as well, right, Dan? Yeah, they've uh, these motors have been out for a little while now, so that they're starting to be, you know, it's getting to where it's not hard to find a good used one that's in good shape and not too beat up. And uh, there's a lot of knowledge out there on tune up and stuff now, and I had the opportunity to work with a new one back in 2017 through Henry Duguay that I was teamed up with. And so I was familiar with, you know, the engine and the tune up and running one and stuff like that. Well, there, there's also this thought and, um, Dan, I would say there is some thought and I'm not sure if I'm, I'm totally on board with it. Maybe you guys can chime in, but there's a thought that you can't be as consistent with those big bore space, uh, motors. How do how do you guys feel about that? I think we proved it wrong this past weekend. <laughs> that car was as deadly as any car out there. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you nailed it that way. But, I mean, have you heard that or do you, do you feel that little uh, sentiment out there? I mean, I, I guess I, it doesn't make sense to me because, um, the, you know, the engine doesn't care what people's feelings are. But have you heard that before? Oh, yeah, definitely. I There's even been times in the past where I believed it. Yeah, you know, Glenn, you go ahead. Tell them what you. I mean, I, I mean, I would agree to that. I mean, you've always kind of been kind of scared, but I mean, we were scared way back about going to, you know, I mean, a six thirty-two or a seven hundred inch motor. You know, I mean, it can't be as consistent. I think it's all in power management and tune-up. You know what I mean? Just there's guys with naturally aspirated motors that are huge. I think yeah. that's harder to tune than what we're trying to do. You think because of the nitrous helps you tune? It just it, it adds a layer of tunability to it. I With think the naturally so. aspirated deal. I think it's more affected by you know the weather, you know the air conditions and stuff. And with a nitrous motor, you're kind of giving it an artificial atmosphere to some extent. And I think it's it's probably a little easier to be consistent with a nitrous motor. Yeah, that ma that makes some sense. And then. So, Glenn, you go to this uh, 959, which is, uh, you know, just an absolute monster, um, and then you add nitrous to it. How many how many kits do you have, and how many are you using? Um, the motor has five on it. Um, we're typically using it, – it varies. There are tune-ups all over the place, but we're typically using um, two to four systems. Okay. Um, so the weather was pretty good here this uh, this weekend at Indy, so you probably didn't have to lean on it. I'm guessing too too hard to run six ten, which sounds uh, when even when I say that phrase, it sounds dumb. But that you didn't have to lean on hard to go six ten. But is that somewhat accurate? 
Um, I don't yeah, think we were overly aggressive. We're not getting carried away at all. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? Let me let me go back one more time. Then, so um, you decide, Glenn, to make this move, um, and then you get Jeff and Dan involved. Um, what was what was that initial conversation like, and uh, why did you choose to get Jeff and Dan so involved with this process? Um, the initial conversation was, "Hey guys, I got three weeks. I need you to do this." That was the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so. I chose these guys once, you know what I mean? Cause uh, they're just great at what they do. They're willing to help. I knew they could get it done. Um, so that's what the direction that we went to, you know what I mean? The, the, the quality, um, the timeliness, you know what I mean? I, I think I put both of them on the spot and uh, worked them pretty hard. I mean, we accomplished something that few people would even think about trying to accomplish in a matter of a couple of weeks. Yeah, it's it's wildly impressive, um, Jeff. Uh, when you first got the call from Glenn, um, what what were you thinking when he said, "Hey, uh, I want to do this, and I've got uh, a limited time frame to get it done"? Well, Glenn had talked to me before about like doing this over last winter, and he had another motor that he was tempted on buying and putting together, and it kind of fell through. So when that deal fell through, I thought, okay we're good until next winter. And then I should have known better. And Glenn was like, no, I got like a two week window before the next event. And I found a motor. You're still putting this in. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I just won't sleep or eat or see my family. That's fine. So it really wasn't that bad. Cause Dan uh, came up from South Carolina and stayed at my shop the whole week. And me and him kind of tag teamed it where, you know, I did a lot of the welding and fabrication and Dan did a lot of the organizing parts and running stuff down. Cause there's always, Hey, I didn't think we needed this. And it looks like we do. And, you know, just trying to organize stuff. And, uh, he has a lot of knowledge on setting these things up too. So it really worked out good. The two of us together on it. And then, um, you know, that's what makes a good team is everybody knows their role, knows their position and they're good at it. So my job seemed easy to me and Dan's job tuning the thing and setting up the chassis probably seems easy to him and Barney who did the wiring it probably seemed easy to him so it's just everybody knows what they're doing and uh, they do a good job so it's what makes it come together and work the way it is yeah that's uh, that that's very impressive um, Dan maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, the types of things you change because from the from the outside looking in um, it seems like a pretty was it a was it a 5.3 to a 5.3 bore space, or was it 5.2 to the 5.3 bore space? It was a 5-inch bore space to oh. the 5.3, which is a 5-inch and a 4.840 externally. Most of them are the same length. But uh, usually on most cars, you end up with the uh, bar that runs from the frame rail up to the strut tube. It, it usually ends up like right in the center of the exhaust port on the number one cylinder. And sometimes it doesn't, and you can leave it and you know redo the front motor plate mounts but a lot of cars you have to move those bars and that's what we had to do on glenn's so we we had to do that he went from headers to zoomies so we had to change up some of the uh front end hanging stuff you know back there sure had to cut the front end out for the zoomies and uh made a the front end. transmission mount for a turbo 400 and, you know a lot of plumbing and new nitrous lines and and also, also, we have to keep in mind, too, that Glenn said, you can't undo anything so I could put my other motor back in it and my other transmission back in, too. So I got to be able to put a two-speed yeah, or three-speed in it. it. <laughs> I got to put a five-inch motor or a five-three motor. I got to have zoomies. I got to have bullhorns. I got to have my every option possible. So don't undo anything. Just do it again Power and redo it. Yeah, we had to keep it versatile in case, like, we basically planned when we started that project, we had, we're shooting to get it done. If something goes wrong and we can't get it done, we're going to drop back and punt and put the 808 and power glide back in it so he can go to this next race. You know, that's what we did, and that's why uh, the wiring was saved for last, because the 808 was carbureted and this motor's got fuel injection, and uh, he wanted to save the wiring for last just in case we were behind and, you know, not going to be able to make the deadline. 
So not only did you not only uh, did you increase it 151 cubic inches, but you went from a carburetor to fuel injection and a power glide to a turbo four. Well, they're we still part, have a you know the parts supply problems right now with all all through the industry. You hear about it all the time lately. So we're still waiting on uh, the 400, but that power glide is. If that thing's really hanging tough right now, still, it's been doing good. Okay. So that was the one thing that hasn't been changed out to this point that you kind of feel like probably should be done uh, next step? Yeah, we'd like to lean on the car and start, you know, running it faster to the eighth mile and stuff. But we're kind of uh, just trying to be careful with that. But. But the car, it's set up right now. It'll accept both transmissions, so everything's ready for that. And once it, you know, once Glenn has it, we just got to put it in. Oh, that's very cool. Well, Glenn, when when you did this, I mean, you you obviously just ran the quickest nitrous-assisted top sportsman run of all time. You go six ten with a two, two hundred twenty-eight point eight five miles per hour. Um, you know, and I there can be some debate because I think we have seen some nitrous pro mod cars uh, test in the past and used the top sportsman as a testing ground and went quicker. But legally, in the 610 era, that's the fastest pass of all time, uh, just passing Aaron Glasser's pass uh, the week before of 618. But, I mean, was that your goal setting out? Was it to make history, or was it just um, just because you, you're a competitive guy? Um, yeah, I want to do, obviously I wanted to win is the ultimate goal, but I mean, I also wanted to be on the pole at Indy and try to get to 610. I mean, um, that was definitely, definitely, um, you know, a goal for us. You know what I mean? There, there is something about to be said about being the first to it. Right. And you can, no matter what happens from here on out, you can, uh, you know, you can hang that on the mantle as being the first ever to do it, which is incredibly cool. Um, and, and of course, there are turbo guys, there are blower guys out there that are, um, you know, capable as well. Um, do you think you're going to see now? Um, you think the cavalry is coming in terms of trying to run 610 with you? Because at this point, it's been kind of uh, Lester Johnson and at the top, especially in Division Three here. Um, do you think the the rest of the guys are going to turn the wick up a little bit? I think there'll be a select few. I mean, there's a couple guys. I mean, obviously, Aaron, if he decides to come over here sure. to NHRA and run, he's more than capable. There's a lot of cars that are more than capable of doing it. They just don't typically run quarter mile or, you know, in the NHRA um, amongst the crews that do it. I think, I think it'll take a, it'll take a few years to get enough guys with big enough engines to, to, to consistently do it. But I mean, uh, Bob Galetia, he's more than capable of doing it. I mean, I think he's been, you know, I mean, he's, I think he's been in a breakout run before, um, in, in, the, in the previous era so i mean there's more than there's more than there's not a lot of guys and i don't think it's going to change but i think we're proving that you can do it that you can take these big motors and uh and run quarter mile and be consistent i mean i mean i'd like to see more i'd like to see uh obviously you know any nitrous cars matter and i um i like to see them you need some shirts, right? Nitrous cars matter. That's a uh, you know get the, lo- get the logo out there. Yeah, he yeah, has we them. got them. <laughs> I like it. Well, it's, sir- uh, go ahead, Dan. It's one thing to run that fast in qualifying, but like I think he stole the show racing that fast and running the number. I mean, every all three rounds he ran dead on. I think that's as the fan in me. That's really impressive to the fan inside of me. It's it's kind of amazing. That, you know. Yeah. Um, well, think think about it. I mean, just what was it? Twenty five, thirty years ago, you know, top fuel cars were running that that speed. Um, and so uh, to do it in a door car and to be deadly consistent is amazing. And you know, the top dragster side give those guys credit. I mean, it, it, they uh, I think barring a hurricane down in Louisiana could have had a probably a six ten or six. 
or a 615 field, right? They could have had a 615 bump spot. I mean, how cool would that be on the top sportsman side? And it feels like it, you know, we're gaining on that from the top sportsman side as well. I think, I don't know if you'll ever see that. I just, I don't think there's, you know, that many guys that would want to, you know, want to run that fast, but I think it's cool to have a little, you know, group of a few guys that got a little kind of competition and rivalry going on to be the guy that gets that, you know, number one spot running 610 or 615 or whatever. I think it was long to me in pro mod that that was the bump, you know, you were trying to get in pro mod with a teen, you know, like maybe right. 15 years ago. And now we're like, there's guys like butcher bracket racing that fast and faster and being deadly kind of really badass. Right. Amazing. Right. Jeff, you, I think you were um, about to say something. I might've cut you off. I was actually going to say the same exact thing Dan was said. There was, I'm not really that old. I'm 37. And I remember growing up, watching pro mod with like Quain Stott and those guys in, in that era in the early two thousands. And they were going like six twenties, six thirties. And it was like, man, these guys are insane going this fast. Right. And now here we are, Glenn's bracket racing going six ten, And even my car goes like six thirties, six forties. And it's like, it's nuts. It's just crazy how far it's come. And in that short of time and, as far as maintenance goes, like you compare maintenance on a pro mod 15 years ago versus my car. Like I don't do anything to my car. Like I, I don't even take it out of the trailer between races. I mean, it, I got flat tires to the next event basically. So <laughs> it's, it's nuts to, to say what we're doing these days versus then and going the same speeds with like a big block Chevy I'm doing it with, you know? So the technology is amazing out there. Well, first of all, Jeff, you're supposed to keep that a secret. You're supposed to say, man, this is really hard work. I, I uh, pull the thing apart between every race. So you shouldn't be giving that secret away. Um, but uh, secondly, you guys make a good point in terms of it may be more on the PDRA side that, uh, you know, all this stuff ramps up. And, and certainly, Glenn, you mentioned that before, that uh, the PDRA uh, quick or elite top sportsman group is getting just flat nasty and um you know that that seems to be maybe where some of these uh incredible bump spots kind of really progress i think late this year and next year would you say that i would say if it's going to come anywhere to come from you know crossover guys i mean pdra guys i mean that's it's definitely definitely crazy fast i mean all over the board i mean that's what we're striving to be able to do both you know i mean we want to want to go over there and run and be able to bag it off a little bit and come over to NHRA and run. I mean, you know, guys like Benoit, you know what I mean? I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be scared to see him decide, ah, maybe one day I'll just go ahead and run this thing in NHRA trim. You know what I mean? Maybe. Right. Well, it is interesting. There's a, there's a few guys, I think, uh, Benoit, um, Brian Laflamme, some of those guys that are saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to have two cars, right? One, for the PDRA group mm -hmm. and one for the NHRA group, um, which brings me to a, a thought that just kind of came up. Um, you know, Glenn, you're at this point now where you, you know you're running six tens, but you're not. Um, you know, you're not pushing that motor. Um, you could probably run the five nineties, I'm guessing, if you wanted to, and feel pretty confident about that. Is that accurate statement? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no problems. And, you know, you kind of wonder, I think that, and maybe this happens, you know, on the top dragster side first, but you kind of wonder, like, um, what's, what are the NHRA's thought process when, you know, everybody's kind of backing up on that uh, 610 bump? I mean, do they, you think uh, they ever go, nah, let's just run with 1,000 foot and uncork them. I mean, you think that would ever be a thought, or do you think guys would embrace that? You guys all have cars that uh, theoretically could run under the 610 bump if you wanted to. Yeah, that's an interesting conversation. I've had it with a few, few top dragster guys because I think it's more of a more of an issue over there sure. than it is on the top sportsman side. And I know that a lot of them would like to see that, so that you know what I mean. Everybody's getting bundled up at the top, but I mean, I don't know that it switches much. You know what I mean? It just changes now. You're, 
now you're whatever to a thousand feet. You know what I mean? So I kind of, I don't know. I kind of have mixed, mixed feelings with it. Um, with a thousand feet, you know, I I like quarter mile racing. That's kind of why I run the NHRA stuff. Sure. Yeah. I think if you saw him do that qualifying sheet, it'd probably look about the same still. Right. That just kicks the can or problem down the road a little bit, but it, it's the same, uh, same scenario. Yeah, I think you. I would say so. Same order. That's that's a that's a good point. Uh, But with that, um, you mentioned it, Glenn. You'd like to run quarter mile. Does that does that mean anything different to you? Like if if uh, ultimately a sanctioned body ten years from now said, "Guys are going too quick. We got to go." Would that bother you at all, or do you uh, you just like to race? I just like to race, but I mean, at some point, if things progress, like like we have, I mean, shoot, we used to. We'd be happy if we went 690. You know what I mean? And now we went just went 610. So you know what I mean? It's if it gets that far and we got to slow us down like they did the fuel cars to a thousand feet, then so be it. You know what I mean? That's that's progress, I guess. But I I hope I hope it doesn't get there. But I mean, if it does, it does. Yeah, that's. Uh, I think that's well said, right? Um, ultimately, we just all want uh, to race and to have a have good competition and you guys are all certainly at the top. Um, so, so what's next then Glenn? I mean, I mean, man, you just come off the U S nationals setting the setting, uh, you know, a history making run. What, what does, what does the rest of the year and what does uh, next year look like for you? Um, we're going to look into hopefully attend the Midwest pro mod this weekend. We're still going to leave the power glide in at Gwadden. You know, I mean, run the run a few laps, see what we can do in the eighth mile with the thing, and then head to St. Louis, try to finish uh, finish the NHRA site off there, and then potentially try to get the 400 in and do a little testing in Virginia at the end of the year, and then come out next year with uh, the same same combination we ended with uh, the 959, the Albert 959, and the a bruisey. Um, Turbo 400. Yep. And uh, talk a little bit about uh, what Maximus's schedule looks like as well, because I know he's got in that uh, super gas car, uh, bracket bracket car as well. What's what's his schedule look like? It's really tough for him right now because he's playing. Uh, he's a senior in high school playing uh, high school soccer. So he's really got a tough end of the year. We're going to try to get him out a couple more times just to do a little local bracket racing. Then next year, being out of school, uh, we'll probably run the full Division Three Super Gas Series as well as mixing in a bunch of big money bracket races. He really enjoys both, you know, both ends of the perspective. There's even a potential of putting a little nitrous on the car and seeing if he can qualify in the PDRA top sportsman side. So, yeah. you may... He he, uh, he almost made a couple of fields um, this year, uh, just outside the bump on that side. But uh, you know, probably wouldn't take a whole bunch. It looked like, and he he did a heck of a job behind the wheel from what I saw. So, um, but certainly understand uh, you know how it how busy you know, guys get um, trying to finish up their their senior year and sports and all that stuff. Um, Jeff, you are on the other side. Your kids are a little bit younger. Um, and talk us through what your schedule looks like and um, how, how you manage, uh, you know, your car and, and what's next for you. Well, like I said, I, I don't really have to do much maintenance on the car because I only go really qualifying maybe first round this year is about all I can do. So it doesn't wear the thing out very much. But um, one of these days I'll be cool and win a race and then I might have to actually like run the valves. So, um <laughs> Yeah, i just been busy with work. You know, i got a lot of cars and some cool projects coming up with, with that deal. It uh, keeps me busy. My kids are five and eight and just started school. My daughter's in kindergarten and both playing soccer. And, you know, every day is another adventure. So I try to work as much as I can, but yet see them as much as I can, too, and then race in between. So, Well, I, th- I think you've got Probably. an interesting perspective jeff because you know you've got the uh the the pro charge car that you drive you've driven the the twin turbo car earlier in the year 
and then obviously had your hands all over Glenn's, pro, uh, you know, nitrous car. Um, you know, do you have any, well, obviously you have a pro charger. You probably lean that way. Is that right? In terms of what you like the most it was, or is it just because you don't have to do any maintenance on it? He was a nitrous um, guy. Well, upon a time, he left <laughs> I was, I was a, a little nitrous guy. I never had a 959 or anything cool like that. But, um, I think in my, my opinion, nitrous cars are cool because, you know, you've got the big purges, you got yeah. the guys bang through the motor, you got the big bullhorns, the header flames, but, you know, guys like Glenn got zoomies. But um, I think nitrous is cool, and I think it's very consistent. But um, we were struggling with my car for the last couple of years to get the combination really dialed in and get it right. And this year, with the help of Dan and Patrick Barnhill and Joey at APD, my car is, I would say, it's as consistent as any car out there. Um especially for the speed we go, you know, 410 in the eighth and just need to turn on some wind lights. So um, just haven't quite uh, connected all the dots yet, but we're, we're right there, I think. And the car's running really good. So probably continue on that path with the, uh, the pro charge deal and the blow through carburetor. And just like Jimmy Lewis has, he just won the U S national. So proven combo, right? Proven combo, especially, uh, when, when you can hoist the, the Wally at Indy, man, it's hard to go, go away from yeah. that. Um, yeah, I have no excuses now. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, and then, Dan, uh, catch us up. I know you uh, are working on your car. You've been doing some testing. Obviously, uh, helped Glenn get his piece together. Uh, but you did a little uh, Pro Mod racing here recently, didn't you? Yeah, I went to the uh, NMCA race at uh, Norwalk. A guy named uh, Dean Young gave me a shot to drive and tune his car. He's out of Michigan, and that was our first event together. And he's got a you know a good motor and a good car and stuff. And we're just gonna we make a few changes to that, and we're actually gonna go to Dragway 42 in Ohio this weekend and put some more laps on it and try and get it worked out some more. And uh, it was really great to be back in the seat. I had a good time, but uh, I've actually really come to enjoy working on the cars and you know being able to watch the car race and run down the track and stuff i get a i actually get a lot of enjoyment out of that so i've uh my own car i was working on it quite a bit up through february or march and you know, then i started going to races and working for some people and going out on my boat a lot and i kind of i guess you could say i uh, lost interest in it a little bit but that'll probably come back in the off season um, well, I, I feel like, um, yeah, like the, the boating is nice. Um, right. And, um, you know, some days that, that feels like more of a win than, um, you know, breaking parts or whatever it might be. But, uh, um, what, what remind me what, uh, what combination that pro mod car is, is that a nitrous car as well? Or is that uh, boosted combo? It is a nitrous car. It's got a uh, go. fuel-injected rear horse and 903 and uh, Bruno Lanco non-lockup. And it'd, uh, it'd be a really good car for elite top sportsmen. You might end up seeing us show up at some races with it for that. There you go. All right. Well, then you get to wear the uh, Nitrous Cars Matter t-shirt. Jeff, don't, don't you dare. Uh, but uh, Glenn and Dan <laughs> can. And, uh, yeah, that's good. So, um so maybe some uh, crew chief type uh, stuff in your future then, Dan, is what it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I really enjoy that stuff. And, you know, it's. I think it's gotten to the point where, for me, it's really dang close to just as satisfying as driving the car down the racetrack. I just I enjoy working on it and then being able to watch it go make a lap. Yeah. Um, well, you certainly got to do that. I'm sure you – have a, a tremendous amount of satisfaction then, uh, you know, the, over this last week watching Glenn make his amazing passes and, you know, just being deadly with that, that, you know, all three of you guys have to just have a tremendous sense of pride uh, with what you accomplished. And, and I certainly appreciate you guys coming on and just, uh, you know, talking us through that because it's uh, just a tremendous accomplishment and wildly impressive. Yeah, everything, you know, I think we're all really proud of that. We had some help from Billy Albert and Mark Smith, you know, did a set of, I had a set of his shocks and he updated them and we put them on Glenn's car to try them out. Uh, you know, we've had some other people to help make it happen too. I think everybody's pretty proud of it. It's pretty, sure. pretty good deal. 
Yeah. What am I missing, fellas? Am I missing anything about uh, about this? I mean, we we're gonna try to memorialize this a little bit, but uh, and we know the competition's coming. But uh, what what am I missing that uh, we haven't touched on today? I just want to point out that I think elite top sportsman is really going to tighten up next year. There's, I can't think of them all off the top of my head, but there's got to be around five cars that are going to be out there that haven't been out there a lot of this year. You know, Glenn's going to be a, he'll be a consistent qualifier in that class for sure. And you know, Jamie Fowler hasn't been at many of these races, but sure. he's coming out with a new car. And yep. I may or may not end up back out there and, I think there's a few others in the works too. So just, I think you're just going to yeah. see that field tighten up, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Brian's got a new car coming out. Brian LaFlamme's got a new car coming out. Right. Um, yeah. He'll be a, he'll be a player. He'll be, he'll be a player. Bruce gets his stuff figured out. He can compete all year. You know what I mean? It's, it's going to be crazy over there. It's already nuts a lot of times and uh, right. it's really going to be fun. Yeah, like it isn't yeah, crazy already. Be a lot of cars. There'll be a lot of cars on the sheet that you know should be able to go into the 80s. Yeah, that's a, that's kind of amazing. I mean, I think we're going to see some guys that run 390s and then you know aren't in that elite field and just going to be shaking their head, right? Just going, what do I have to do to to uh, get in that elite field? Which is which is just a bunch bunch of fun. And uh, I know uh, I, from my standpoint, I think it's awesome. Um, and really, really uh, shows the health of the class, I think, overall. Yeah, I fully expect yeah. next year you'll see some guys running like 395, 398 that aren't going to be in that top 16. Yeah. Uh, um, it's going to be impressive. And, um, uh, I, you know, I, for one, um, am excited to see it. But, uh, guys, I appreciate you taking some time. I know you guys have very busy schedules. And, um, Glenn, you know, you were just at Indy all week and have had things to do as well. So uh, appreciate you guys spending a little time with us. Um, really, um, again, want to say congratulations for, you know, making history, making history, um, running the fastest nitrous-assisted top sportsman car in the 610 era of all time. So congrats to uh, Glenn and class. Really, congrats to all you guys who, who put your hands on that thing and made that happen. Yeah, thanks a lot. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Always glad yeah, thanks. to get I appreciate conversation going about top sportsman. I appreciate you guys uh, asking us to be on, and the whole deal has been pretty cool. Guys, girls, that is, uh, well, that's the Brain Trust. Uh, uh, Glenn Butcher, Jeff Melnick, and Dan Ferguson. Um, if you need them, those guys just made history. Today's Half Track Report is brought to you by DragRaceLawyer.com. For all your high horsepower legal needs, get a hold of Ed Harney at DragRaceLawyer.com. Uh, he is a drag racer. He knows exactly what we're going through. He knows how you operate and can help you uh, the best way possible. He was out at the U.S. Nationals. I had a chance to spend a little time with the drag race lawyer himself out at the U.S. Nationals. And let's get to it. Let's get right to the indie data here um and it was it was just great racing is what it was it was phenomenal racing actually uh let's start with the top sportsman side you heard it here first uh glenn butcher goes number one on the top sportsman side he sets the record for the fastest nitrous assisted top sportsman car in nhra history since the move to the 610 hard deck he goes 6'10 with a 2 at 228.85 miles per hour. But in the end, it is Jimmy Lewis over Alan Firestone. Jimmy is 19 on the tree. He's dead on 6 on this 635 dial-in. Uh, Alan Firestone is a 20 off the stripe and one foul under his 659 dial-in to break out. And that allows Jimmy Lewis to get the win light and his 12th national event, Wally. Uh, Jimmy was just flat out good and consistent all weekend. So congrats to Jimmy Lewis for grabbing the U.S. Nationals top sportsman, Wally. 
Uh, on the top dragster side, this thing was just uh, madness, really. Um, just madness on the top dragster side. Your number one qualifier was Jim Thorpe, uh, 6'10 with a 2 at 231 miles an hour. Quite an accomplishment for Jim Thorpe because there were boatloads of people that were trying and gunning for that 6'10 spot. Um, I mean, think about this. Phil Oakley technically qualifies uh, 32nd, um, although he, you know, he, we know he can run under the index and did, which put him to the back of the, uh, the ladder. Um, this easily could have been a 615 bump had the boys from Louisiana not had to deal with Hurricane Ida. And uh, uh, people like Afton Swanson and Ross Gregory made the trip. I know life gets in the way. Certainly wish all those dudes uh, well that are dealing with that stuff down there, um, the nastiness of a hurricane. Um, and, you know, life gets in gets in the way sometimes. Um, you know, and I, and I know we can't woulda, coulda, shoulda this thing to death, but it is not out of the possibility, and it wasn't very far off, to qualify, let's call it 612 sometime soon, and be on the bottom half of the ladder. It's getting awesome or nasty, whichever way you want to look at that. But uh, the bump spot was very close to being mid-16s, and um, uh, I'm here for all of it. Um, ultimately, your winner was Zach Sackman over Bradley Johnson. Zach, absolute nails. He goes 003, one above four on his 610 dial. Bradley Johnson in the other lane, returning to the finals after shredding a blower belt in the semis, gets the thing back together, breaks out, and Zach Sackman earns the win light in his second national event win. Both of those happen to be at Indy. Last year he won at Indy, uh, which it wasn't the U.S. Nationals. It was a national event, but they they had that really odd scheduling format um, that they had to work around due to the Rona. But in either event, Zach Sackman has two national event wallies, both of them at Indy. Does not get much better than that. Um, also then, of course, were the NHRA JEGS All-Stars. Those uh, are just amazing because when you win against those guys, you're winning against the best of the best. And, you know, we've talked about this before. Technically, you can win a national championship without ever having to run the number two uh, points getter, right? You could be in Division One, um, keep earning points. Your number two competitor could be in Division Seven, and you could never actually face them throughout the season. That's not how the Jags All Star works. You have to beat the best of the best. It's the tip of the spear. And at the end, in Top Sportsman, it was D6 racer Robert Strom getting the win over Bob Galitti when Bob got loose a little bit. Um, so congrats to Robert Strong for being the best of the best in Division si out of Division 6 for the JEGS All-Stars Top Sportsman group. On the Top Dragster group side, it was just as nasty. Your winner was Al Kenny from Division 1 over Al Peevler from Division 3. This was a great race. They were both dialed 610. It was a perfect Friday night under the lights. It was uh, at night. It was cool weather. The cars were running fast. Um, and Al Kenny gets the win light on the whole shot. He goes 6-11-8 over Peevler 6-11-2. Uh, but it was just a great race and really highlights Man, just highlighted how awesome of a class Top Dragster was. Um, so that was your highlights from Indy this week. Really good stuff. Hopefully you guys went on the Fast Brackets Podcast Facebook page and checked out the video of both the finals from the All-Stars and then the U.S. Nationals. I gave you the best look I could uh, from my seats and then on the starting line. Really good stuff um, in lieu of not uh, listening to me talk through it. Hopefully that visual was even better. Now next week, guys, I am off. So uh, next week I'm having surgery. I need the hip replaced. So they're going to go in with the sawzall, cut, uh, cut off the bone, replace it with hopefully something better. I think that means titanium. So I should be incredibly fast when I come back. Uh, but next week I'll be off. I don't know about the following week, depending on how I recover. So um, 
Unfortunately, you will not hear me next week, but uh, we'll see about after that. As we hit the mile per hour cone today, we got to talk about one of our guys, Jeffrey Barker, a former top sportsman competitor, a former NHRA national top sportsman champion, 2015 to be exact. Um, Jeffrey Barker wins the Pro Mod at the U.S. Nationals this week over his teammate Stevie Fast Jackson. Um, Very cool, very cool win for Jeffrey Barker. It is great to see our guys and girls, people who love our class, uh, move on and do well. I'm not at all saying that uh, that moving up is exactly how it's supposed to work or what you're supposed to do. Um, I think the people that are in our classes do it um, specifically because they like that type of racing, but you do see it. Uh, you take guys like Craig Sullivan, who spent a lot of time in top dragster. See guys like Jeffrey Barker, who spent a lot of time in top sportsman, moving up into the pro mod ranks and doing very well. And I love all of it. So that was very cool to see Jeffrey Barker, uh, former Fast Brackets Nation member in the winner circle in Pro Mod at the U.S. Nationals. All right, let's bring this thing back in. Let's take a peek in the other lane. Let's do it. Let's take the stripe. Guys, girls, that is the show. It is time to pull the shoots on episode number 81. There it is. There is the wind light and the sweet, sweet sound of Gloria. Man, we've had a lot of new listeners, actually. We have a lot of new listeners. Uh, so if you don't know, go back, listen to the show, um, and just get on board. Gloria represents uh, just a little bit of mentality and fight that we all have to have. Uh, so we keep playing it. Um, guys, girls, we had a great week this week. Uh, we learned that Indy is still Indy, and it will be even better next year. Uh, we got down with the latest race results, and we had some great guests on. We had Glenn Butcher. Uh, he is the top sportsman, nitrous-assisted record holder, 6'10 with a 2. Just nasty. Um, Jeff Melnick from Exotic Fabrications. And Dan Ferguson, your two-time PDRA Top Sportsman World Champ, all joined us and had just a fantastic conversation. I loved having those dudes on. Um, If you have comments, questions, or cursed words, you know there are three ways you can get at me. You can hit me up on the Facebook page using Messenger. Uh, Next week, you'll find me recovering from hip replacement surgery. Um, and you can use the email fastbrackets at outlook.com. Um, love to hear from you. Love the feedback. Please, please hit me up with anything you want to talk about or have, uh, you know, opinions on. Guys, girls, I hope you enjoyed it. Please keep the rubber side down and travel safe. settling back in after uh that good weekend um last week i guess uh, up in indy uh charlie browns was uh good eats that morning yeah man um that was pretty special right to kind of pop in on that action um you know just a, a really historic guy certainly in indy car circles not uh drag racing world but but pretty special nonetheless um and just goes to show you um uh, man what 
you know, when, when people dedicate their life and their passion and all that stuff, uh, it does mean something. It, it absolutely. And we were just cool that we just happened to be there. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that there was any, uh, anything lost on the fact that, uh, you broadcasting this and, and it all being kind of about broadcasting that we were in the right place at the right time to, to kind of be a part of that. Also just experiencing the, the big go, um, I don't know if it's exactly the big go the way it was described to me. Much like the infield at Indy isn't quite what it used to be. Um, looking forward to, to one day learning or seeing it all, uh, the craziness like it, it has been in the past. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it was a national event, right? It was a national event at Indianapolis, and it was called the U.S. Nationals. Um, but it, it just it was pulled back a little bit. And, and I don't know that that's any fault of the NHRA. I don't know that that's... Uh, you know, there was any deviousness or anything like that, but it was different. It was pulled back a little bit. And I, I am fired up uh, that you a, got to see it for once, but when you really see it next year, then it's going to be fun. Today's episode was brought to you by AFCO Racing Products. For over three decades, AFCO Racing Products has focused on one goal, deliver high-quality racing products to those who compete to win. In drag racing, you only get one chance to get it right. Choosing quality components from the start leads to round wins and ultimately leads to championships. At AFCO Racing Products, they engineer, manufacture, and produce four-way shocks, struts, and double adjustable shocks, complemented by a complete lineup of springs to support the entire range of drag racing competitors. If you are bracket racing today, and future plans include top dragster or top sportsman, they have the correct shock package for you at every stage of your racing career. For tech support, quality, and superior on-track performance, think AFCO Racing Products.